Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Roybeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, I'm still recovering from the new Spiral from the Book of Saw trailer. <laughs> um, which, which we will talk about on the Untitled Movie Podcast, which is our flagship show, which you guys should all go subscribe to. We have lots of stuff to cover with Black Widow going to Disney Plus, the new yes, Eric, the new Spiral, the from the Book of Saw trailer. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, but today, I uh, I have a little trivia question for you, Eric. Name two characters from the Godzilla versus Kong franchise that aren't Godzilla and Kong. Uh, there's Mothra. There's yeah, no human characters. Steve, Today we well, are- <laughs> I, I can name two characters from the original, uh, the original film, the edit, the American edit, and the original Japanese version. Doctor Humane and Steve Martin, but not from <laughs> from this. No, that's true, though. That Steve Martin. So. Raymond Wait, Steve Burr. Martin like was a character name yes. or Steve Martin was playing himself? No, no Steve Martin is a character <laughs> name played by Raymond okay. Burr in the American edit. And the American edit oh, is right. literally- Oh, right. They did an American edit of the original Godzilla. Yeah, and it's literally yeah. Raymond Burr from, from this, Rear like. Window, um, yeah. who plays the villain in Rear Window, um, literally in a window, in, in, a, in, a, in a room, reacting to Godzilla. Love it. Love to see it. Yes, today we are reviewing Adam Wingard's Godzilla vs. Kong, the fourth entry in the GVK MonsterVerse. Is that what they're uh, so calling that, it? I just thought I, it was the MonsterVerse. Yeah, I'm just calling But I, I want to be specific. I guess there's no other MonsterVerse. I mean, there was, yeah, the, dark, I'm thinking, there was the Dark Universe. Which is kind of the Universal MonsterVerse, yeah. kind of. So that's where I'm trying to be specific of just being like, we're talking about, you know, uh, Gareth Edwards' Godzilla. We're talking about Skull Island. We're talking about King of the Monsters. And now we're talking about Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, the movie will be released on HBO Max in the US, uh, premium VOD in Canada and in theaters if they are open in your area. It's going to be the widest release since, you know, the pandemic uh, started. So that's, I guess, saying something. Um, it's starring up that box office, uh, you know, those charts making money internationally. So it's, it's doing yeah. quite well. Starring your favorite uh, Godzilla versus Kong characters like Millie Bobby Brown and Kyle Chandler. Uh, also, uh, Alec- Alexander Skarsgård, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, uh, Eliza Gonzalez, uh, Damien Bashir is in here, Julian Dennison. Um, do you know any of the character names? Absolutely not. I watched this 12 hours ago. <laughs> Um, I couldn't tell you in all four of these movies and I'll preface it of, um, I like these movies. I like the monster verse. They're kind of, uh, they're fun. Eric, do you remember actually, before we get into this review, remember how sweaty that first screening of Godzilla was? Oh we yeah. I thought we were, I thought little, it was going to be told sick by the end of it. I thought we, we've told this story probably on other podcasts before, but Gareth Edwards, Godzilla, 2014. Um, we went to go see it in IMAX at the press screening, press slash, uh, fans. One of those mixed screenings. Without any fans. Right? Um, literally. Yeah. And then literally, uh, the, it was middle of summer and um or it was i don't know it was when may the it, so out. but it was like it was oh, like but it was, it was hella hot yeah it was like a heat wave yeah we had a heat wave in may 
and um, the, the air conditioning wasn't working at Cineplex Young and Dundas. And I remember being the most uncomfortable I've ever been in a movie screening because it was I don't know if they accidentally turned the heat on instead. And it was just like it was I, we had sweat dripping down our faces by the end of it. And I remember that being a big reason why I didn't like that movie the first time I saw it because I was so uncomfortable throughout the whole thing. And then I remember being one of those people that's like, Godzilla's only in it for five minutes at the end. And then like after I've rewatched these movies, I've come to like that movie a lot more. But man, that first screening, I just remember the sweatiest I've ever been in a movie. And it wasn't like a, like a, I'm watching cops kind of sweaty, like excited sweaty. <laughs> Why cops all of a sudden? That's a weird. Well, it's a, ste- it's a stepbrothers reference. <laughs> right, right. Then, yeah. um, but, but also like thinking about like afterwards as well, like when they were giving everybody free passes, cause they knew, you know, that right. it was, it was such a, a bad experience. Um, but I, I remember even uh, going to uh, Union Station with you afterwards and still feeling like the heat sort of emanating off of off of like it was my so bad like, like it felt like we were gonna pass out yeah that's how yeah. hot it was it was as there, hot right? as the earth's core and we are yeah what's it called under earth whatever the, the hollow earth is called. uh the upside down which almost um, sounds like a, like a flat earther thing it does a little bit um and uh yeah i just remember literally we almost left that movie because we were so sweaty but anyways was i sweaty watching this yesterday uh no i was very comfortable in my underwear watching it in bed with headphones on the the way it was meant to be watched what a weird what a weird world we're in right now where i can watch this movie um to review at 11 p.m uh, you know, on a Monday night in my underwear with headphones in. And I'm like, and we'll get right into it. We'll, you'll give the plot synopsis if there is, is there one. one? Godzilla, <laughs> Godzilla and Kong fight each other. Yes. <laughs> and, Sadly, they and don't the, kiss. Yeah. Um, let them kiss. Uh, and it's just, it, it made me, again, we talked about this a lot with the Warner brothers stuff because they're the ones, you know, who have, you know, broke down the dam and started releasing their stuff straight to HBO max. So we're starting to get these big, you know, $200 million blockbusters on streaming services. And um, this one, even more so than, you know, uh, Wonder Woman or Tom, uh, and Jerry. Uh, Tom and Jerry made me uh, really miss the like, going to a movie theater. Cause like these big, dumb action spectacles um, are, are one of the reasons you, you know, want to go to that gigantic, you know, screen and, and have the immersive sound and, and have it really in your face. So you don't really get that same experience watching it at home. Um, but that being said, um, I had fun watching this yesterday. Um, I, uh, again, as these movies have gone along, like I feel like Gareth Edwards, Godzilla, we were talking about it when you dropped off a coffee this morning of like, he took a different approach to an American Godzilla movie of like, yes, all the human characters in all four of these movies are stupid, but that first movie had this incredible sense of scale. And I think interesting pacing of like teasing Godzilla, showing you little bits of Godzilla and really focusing on like how this would affect, you know, humanity if this was to happen. And it just had this gigantic, scale to it and that made that last 20 minutes really really impactful with the you know that um skydiving scene and like it's just the cinematography is excellent in that in, in that movie and as these movies have gone on they've gone dumber and dumber and they're, um, they're what you would expect 
the franchise yeah. be, where Gareth Edwards' film is more of an anomaly overall. And like, it, it's, it's, I mean, if you've seen his, his, uh, first film, Monsters. Monsters. It, Good movie. It's, you should watch it's it. It's also very similar in that it's sort of, you know, from the way that it kind of approaches it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily found footage, but it has almost like a documentary kind of perspective with the camera and sort of looking at events sort of unfolding from, you know, the ground view or from sort of news footage or camera footage and sort of compiling. It's it's almost closer to Cloverfield or the first yeah, Cloverfield agree, movie yeah. than it is the rest of the Godzilla franchise. It's just that it has a bigger budget than it's a disaster movie almost too. Right. Yeah. And like, and a, and one that really focuses on how this would affect, you know, people. And as the movies get on, they get a little sillier and, and, and like you said, more of what you would expect out of these movies. And I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that it's just a different type of movie where you know you get in this one like fucking spaceships and and a character that i did uh, not heaves, expect please, to see please yeah heaves. sorry and it just it, it becomes so silly that you kind of just accept it for what it is and uh, but the I think original that, toho movies have a lot of that as well where like, oh, the totally. sci-fi elements are very campy and like what makes them kind of almost weirdly nostalgic now or at least kind of endearing is that it, it, they were made in the 60s so you have you know guys wearing rubber suits Costumes and things like and that yeah. battling it out which looks silly now and laughable but there's something about that aesthetic that i think is really kind of again you know like you you can't beat it like it doesn't it this will probably date worse than those movies because well, those become effects. like charming almost right like because they're they're almost like quaint the yeah. way that they're like they're shot so when you will where this will just be you know it's a cg you know bar fest by the end but i don't i think it's entertaining as you watch it and like again we don't you don't need to give a full plot it's five years after the king of the monsters um what a hellscape living in this world would be where every five years giant monsters titans come out and just destroy everything i don't know how anyone and that's another thing in these movies it almost seems like after these giant things that ruin multiple big cities and 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 shit i know one of the plot points in all of the movies is like it's actually good for the environment because their radiation like you know creates you're sounding like vera farmiga yeah that's what i mean where she's like again i don't like king of the monsters i think it's the weakest out of the the bunch personally but um anyways getting to this five years later uh, you know, uh, Kong and Godzilla got a fight. That's all you really got to know. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it, it does take about 40 minutes for them to sort of appear on screen together. And for a franchise that has three other movies preceding it, um, there's still quite a bit of setup um, to bridge those two character arcs and bring them together and, and have those alpha predators on You screen. almost needed, sorry to cut you off, yeah, no, but I, I feel like with you had Godzilla and then King of the Monsters, you almost needed one more Kong movie that you could have done. Well, this kind of is that, though. It, yeah, it is that. But, I, but what I would have maybe preferred is that you have one more Kong movie that more like does a lot of that exposition or set a lot or of that brings you into the that, present like, because Kong yeah. Skull Island is a, is a 70s, 70s set film. Right. So you're kind of wondering, well, you know, if you're watching these, I mean, we both watched uh, the, the other three films. So we have right the before, continuity, yeah. even though we still can't remember any of the, oh, could, the characters. No, names. literally put a gun to my head and say, <laughs> name two human characters. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. But, but it, it's, it, it's interesting because part of that 40 minutes spent is sort of getting to know that Kong is, 
in his own Westview in sort of containment with uh, uh, Rebecca Hall sort of looking after him and, and sort of her relationship to Kong and her relationship to her deaf adopted daughter, who also has a, a strong bond to Kong and, and sort of how that sort of plays out. And again, like that stuff is extraneous at best and feels inconsequential and just kind of giving the actors something to do where you're just kind of biding time until you get to the kind of the major set pieces, which are Kong and Godzilla fighting. And even, you know, Adam Wingard is smart enough and knows that, it's all very silly, but on top of it, he's, he's, he is trying to pace it out because that becomes numbing after a while as well. Cause you just have two giant CGI creations battling each other, no matter how, you know, cool Hong Kong is, you know, dipped in neon lighting. And I am just quickly, God bless Adam Wingard, who in every movie is like, Hey, I need to soak this shit in neon and I have to have a cool synthy score. Exactly. And like, and then, you know what? You got me. I'm like, all right, this sounds cool and looks cool. Um, and it sure, is, there's not a lot of depth to it. It but. is self-aware too. But the thing that I love about the guest and your next um, when it comes to subverting your expectations with the slasher genre, specifically with those two films, is that it really feels like he was able to kind of craft something really unique and idiosyncratic, where this, he gets kind of little moments here and there where he's able to kind of play up the idea of how ridiculous this all is, especially with the human characters and sort of creating, um, you know, archetypal sort of... Um, define characters and sort of where they go and like you know where the damien bashir character corporation guy is going right from the beginning like yeah you do but i was surprised i was surprised at the character that they included but maybe that's just because i wasn't thinking very hard about it because it is it is referenced in uh king of the monsters in the a little bit i I do feel like dance's character i just do feel like they they unless i just missed in the trailers but they don't reveal that character no 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 that that is that is spoiler territory which we don't want to go into but and i just but i appreciate that they did a good job with the marketing to i did have a big smile on my face and i wasn't expecting that just because my mind hadn't really gone to that place so when that character appears i'm like Oh fuck! This is ridiculous, but I'm I'm kind of here for it. Like it's it. I was that's I kind of again. You just you lean into the fun and like you said, self aware. Maybe it's not as like what you're talking about, but at least it kind of knows what it is by the end of it. And yes, it's a full 360 from kind of the tone that Gareth Edwards movie kind of put out there. It doesn't even feel like those two movies are in the same universe. Uh, personally, but um, I don't know. I like when that character shows up and just the ridiculous of it. And you needed to give them something to team up the defeat, right? Like that's the whole purpose. Right. Well, I mean, I, I I think that's also maybe one of the, like the cop outs there a little bit is that the idea is that you're, you're, you're having these two alpha predators, these Titans, neither one will submit to the other. And it's almost like, you know, two Titans enter one exits and it kind of is a little bit of a cop out where it's like, you know, you're expecting a definitive victor, uh, you know, a reigning. I don't know. I always expected them to team up because like the way that these movies have pitted them as kind of like anti-heroes, right? Like, um, sure. They kill 
thousands of people by accident. They're good for the environment. Yeah. And they're really, well, it's like Vera Farmiga's character we already joked about where she sounded like an insane person in the last movie, but is like, well, you know, yes, it's going to kill thousands of people or hundreds of people, but you know, in the end, it's going to save the the planet. And they, they pit these characters as protectors, even though they're clumsy protectors of like, they, they're not thinking about, oh, if I smash the Golden Gate Bridge or if I jump off these buildings, I'm killing hundreds of people. Um, ultimately, they are pitted as heroes heroes in in both there i don't know i guess it's just like role reversals like yes it the movies kong and godzilla are kind of viewed as the enemy at first but ultimately they are the heroes and i well, think the real that, enemy is man i mean that's always yeah. been the case with even yeah. the original film all of these movies yeah. um, the idea i mean well it goes back to like hiroshima where the idea that you know, Godzilla is created in in sort of response to nuclear fallout, and you know, the Japanese are afraid that the Americans will do it again, and they don't want nuclear arms to fall into the wrong hands. And they always talk about the idea that the wrong hands are uh, U.S. Uh, the U.S. government and and, and U.S. Uh, military specifically. So I always thought that that was an interesting social commentary from the original one. These movies aren't interested in that because one, they're you know they're made by an American company, so they're not going to sort of poo-poo um, you know the uh, you know U.S. government and American military service in any way whatsoever. But at the same time, like it is also still kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing where I, I i think the best i mean i love the gareth edwards movie but i think the one that kind of does it the best that really does harken back to the 60s and 70s style of like you know destroy all monsters and things like that is shin godzilla where it literally kind of feels almost like an artifact that was dug up even though it was made back in like 2013 and funimation released it theatrically here but it kind of it plays that tone perfectly and it uses you know practical effects for everything so that's why it kind of feels so kind of organic to what these movies are and what that franchise is but i have to say i mean like i'll take all of these movies even Kong Skull Island, which is the one that I'm not the biggest fan of. Yeah, I know we're on opposite sides, but there, I'm in the minority my, with that. I think it's my favorite one out of the four. Yeah, where I hate it because I think that like its ambition is greater than King of the Monsters, and I can appreciate that. But I think it's just so silly and so over the top, and it's sort of tributes to Apocalypse Now are blatant and it's not really doing it in an interesting kind of subtextual way. Like it's just all That's totally it's fair. All, it's I, all I don't, hot, I, play I don't kind of stuff. And I don't disagree with you. Yeah. It's just what I'm going into looking for from these movies. I'm almost fine with it being all of those things. Like, I don't think you're wrong. And I totally, and I don't think I you're totally, wrong either. Like, I think it yeah. is weird enough to kind of be like, okay, well, it is it is a little bit different from your traditional grade eight movie or what you would expect from Kong or Mighty Joe Young or something like that. Mighty Joe Young. Yeah. Haven't thought about that movie in a while. Well, there's, yeah. there's the original version from the 1930s, though, as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. I have. I don't think I've seen that. I'm just thinking of the 90s. You're thinking Disney the one with one. Bill Paxton. Like, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah, back to this. Like, I just think that um, – Again, in all of these movies, the the human plot is just always so, you know, asinine and just inconsequential. And it's just a way to kind of give you exposition and move, you know, give you a 
explanation of why these monsters are doing what they're doing or some moron to release them on humanity or try to control them or, or, or whatever. Um, and I, we keep making the joke that I couldn't, again, it's a franchise of four movies. It's a shared universe. Um, you have characters that, you know, with lineage and returning characters. And I'm like, I couldn't fucking tell you what any of them were doing or what their names are. Or I didn't even realize that um, uh, Shun Oguri's character, I think, is the son of is he the son of uh, Ken Watanabe's character? Or am I getting that wrong? Um I got to look up the Godzilla uh, um, 2014 movie. Uh, But anyways, like it's just whenever it gets to the humans, you're like, ah, man, I just don't. This is filler until we get to the next fight scene with the monsters and that, but, but that has always been the case. I mean, even with non Godzilla and he is, he's the son, he's the son of Ken Watanabe's character, which they don't really kind of, they don't even really just gave up or just like, we don't really need to make these characters, you know, important in any way whatsoever. We'll, you know, in name, yes, but we won't really make a big deal of it. But, but, I, but again, like even something like Pacific Rim, which I really, really love, the first, uh, the Guillermo del Toro directed movie, not Pacific Rim Uprising, unfortunately, but the kaiju always are the stars. And that's important to know that when you're going into one of these movies, you're going in to experience a dumb, brawling CGI blockbuster and that it's all spectacle and show and that you know character development and even you know being in a shared universe this isn't the mcu this isn't dc like this this doesn't really have the same meaning other than dark universe yeah other than okay like it's cool to see you know mothra show up in one of these movies and and you know kong now in this and and versus movies are a very strange thing because it's like on paper, it's like, oh yeah, wouldn't it be really cool to see Freddy versus Jason or Kenny versus Spenny or Alien, <laughs> Alien versus Predator? Predator yeah. yeah, and it's like, yeah, I guess. But then, like, the novelty wears off five minutes afterwards because it's just two guys in suits or CGI creations punching each other, and then that becomes tedious after a while because there's not much more to it other than, again, having to set it up with with inconsequential characters that really don't captivate you or interest you in any way whatsoever yeah and it's not campy enough like from the human element like i feel like if you're gonna do it just make it full cheese and um i just feel like it these movies sometimes take themselves a bit too seriously to the point where you're kind of laughing like i was i was laughing more at the dialogue at like i'm laughing at this not like kind of it knows that it's being silly so like um I, i remember audible audibly laughing throughout king of the monsters at like um a, a ton of this stuff and in, in this at, at times too with some some of the lines the characters are saying is just like this is so fucking stupid but then if you kind of just like let that wash over you and enjoy the spectacle of it i feel like there is some value there if that's what you're looking for if you're looking for a well-written story or well-written characters you're not going to get that i think in most of these movies and like but i don't think that there's anything wrong for a fun popcorn movie right and i just feel like you know we've this last year a lot of those types of movies um you know got stripped away from us or delayed a whole year and and um i feel like it is strange getting these on streaming services and I would have much rather to see this in IMAX or something like that. That would have been awesome or Dolby cinema or whatever. Um, 
but I still had fun with it watching it at home. And, um, I can't deny that. And like, will I ever really think about it again? No. Um, do I even really have a craving to watch this again? Uh, probably not unless they make another movie in this franchise and I rewatch all four movies again. Like I feel like Kong skull Island is the only one that it has rewatchability for me. And even then I, um, I don't necessarily envision myself going, Ooh, I'm in the mood to watch Kong skull Island unless like another movie's coming out. And like the last time I watched it was with Nevis when we were leading up into King of the Monsters, which I had to rewatch because we saw it at the drive-in a couple years ago when it oh, came out. Oh, it's so dark. That'd and be it, really it's hard. It's so to dark. Watch. I couldn't see anything, dude. It was like watching it for the first time again when I watched it uh, last night before this. Um, Cause I was like, we saw it at the drive-in and I, I could not tell you a single thing that happened. Um, and it's not a great movie either. Right. Um, and I mean, the monsters are, the, are cool and, and things you like that. You know what? The one person that actually is kind of good in that movie, or at least understands the kind of tone that they, that he needs to kind of approach is Bradley Whitford. So that's who I laughed at a couple of his lines. Cause it does seem like his dialogue was so, it was a bit self-aware, even though I'm still kind of like, that's a horrible line, but yeah. just the way Bradley Whitford, like, and he uh, knows how silly it is. Yeah. Like he's, he's one of those guys that kind of is like, I'll have fun with this and I'll t- take this really clunky dialogue and, 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 you know, I'll, I'll say it, but I'll say it in my kind of almost sardonic tone that will kind of mm. make you laugh at how ridiculous it is. And I know and that, how ridiculous. It and is. I think you need that, right? Cause Br- I think Bradley Whitford is that John C. Riley knows the type of movie that he's in, even though it feels weirdly at a place. Cause everyone else is taking it too seriously. And like, you have people like Kyle Chandler and Millie Bobby Brown in this and Rebecca Hall, who's a, you know, I love Rebecca Hall, but like her stares are like, just ridiculous in this. She has like these kind of like moments where the one sequence I want to, I want to talk about this as well. I, I think the one sequence that really would have benefited from watching it in a theater is the inverse sequence when they enter the hollow yeah. earth. Because oh, yeah, that like, watching cool. that, you see a little bit of Adam Wingard's horror kind of stuff come yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, obviously there's a bit of a, a of an homage to 2001, a space odyssey, yeah. which th- that's what I'm talking about where like, with Kong Skull Island, it's like, hey, I love Apocalypse Now, and I'm going to make that so blatant through this entire runtime yeah. oh, and totally. every five yeah, seconds. Yeah. Where there's this, nothing subtle about there, that. There's nothing this, subtle like, about the inverse sequence, and it's obvious that it's it's replicating the Stargate sequence in 2001 for that kind of blip millisecond. But it's like it's fun, and it's just like one small scene and it, then they're done, you know, and then it becomes like a Jules Verne journey to the, you know, the center of the earth kind of um, set piece for, for Kong. And, and, and I think that that's kind of, you know, Wingard kind of keeping things moving along and he understands that, you know, we have to get from point A to point B, but at least he can entertain himself on a, a, a large scale because this is the biggest movie that he has ever, you know, worked on so far. So it's, it's interesting to see him do this. Yeah, I know you, you I mean, I love that guy. I, I really, um, seeing, I mean, a horrible way to die way back at TIFF in 2010. I can't believe it's 11 years ago. I saw that movie at, uh, at TIFF 
And then um, having, you know, being a huge fan of, you know, the guest and I, I've come around on your next and I, I, I love your next and even had fun seeing Blair Witch at midnight with you, even though it's not a great movie. And then Death Note, also not a great movie, but I always, I don't know. I, I cheer for this guy because like, yeah. I think the guest is fucking awesome. If you've gotten this far and you either don't know who Adam Wingard is or um, this is your first Adam Wingard movie, go back and watch the guest because it fucking rules. And then your next is also a blast. Um, and then obviously with his earlier stuff with like Pop Skull and A Horrible Way to Die are, are, are much different. They're or even indie, his segment in VHS. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, much different um but I, uh, I i definitely think you should go back and watch uh the guest and your next and i you you might have seen death note or blair witch which are probably two of his weaker movies like um but they're still i still don't mind either of them like do i will never watch either again probably but, i hated both um, but i mean like the thing is with with i just like that he's working and like he is a guy that loves the genre, but he's not necessarily just a fanboy. Like he actually has sort of a vision and an aesthetic and a style that he can apply to it. And there's something there. And, and again, like Godzilla versus Kong doesn't have a lot of it, but it has more than King of the monsters, you, yeah. you know, or, or like, again, like even Kong skull Island really doesn't have that much of a director's signature to it, but you can tell like, if you've watched the guests or if you've watched your next, okay, you can see a little bit of that humor and that kind of biting satire or kind of playing with the genre tropes and saying like, Hey guys, I get it. This is a ridiculous monster movie that I'm making. So I'm just going to make a ridiculous monster yeah. movie. And that's why I'm excited for his Thundercats movie and even face off too, where I'm just like, <laughs> can I give that giant keep- ape an ax? Hell yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He gives him Stormbreaker essentially. And I'm like, hell yeah. Okay. And like, I read an interview with Adam about his Thundercats movie because they announced it. Um, and then he did an interview with the Hollywood Reporter and I read it and he's just like, dude, I fucking love Thundercats and I've wanted to make a Thundercats movie forever. And now I've gotten to the point where Warner Brothers. Uh, like trust me to do that he's like i have a thundercat script i wrote in like high school oh, and I've been, and he's like i've been like thinking about this forever and he's like i really want it to be like r- ridiculous and 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 blend that line between cartoon and live action kind of movie and he's like i just want it to be soaked in neon and like he talked about all this shit that you can obviously see in his movies and be self-aware and he's just like i want to use the cartoon as a jumping off point and then it, it basically tie right into that and i'm like it's probably gonna to be ridiculous and like but if well it already it is a, it's thundercats yeah, i mean it's, yeah. it's up there with she-ra and and he-man but oh totally i mean if you have somebody that loves the material and as is actually a good filmmaker then why not give it to him it is interesting though that he he's attached to that and the face-off sequel at the same time at the yeah. same time and that maybe is the one thing i do worry about a little bit because i would like to see him do another the guest or your next where it's something maybe a if little he bit becomes smaller. like a franchise filmmaker. Yeah. And yeah. He starts just getting attached to all these franchises. I think face off too could be like, obviously face off is a giant movie. John Woo, you know, uh, uh, a huge action movie from the nineties, but like, uh, I still think he could make something more akin to like, you know, the guest with a face off too. Um, and just like have it in that universe, um, which could be very 
fun. But yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I'd love to see a your next or the or the guest or something. Yeah, like in between again, like the bigger movies. Yeah. Because again, like he's still a relatively new voice, and it's just nice to see that personality really come out in those smaller movies. And then as he gradually gets bigger, and and this is this happens a lot where you know you take a film festival favorite filmmaker or an indie filmmaker and give them a franchise film. And usually, you know, it doesn't always work in terms of giving them, you know, their own sort of voice to sort of perpetuate. It's more sort of keeping the, 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 the gears rolling, right? Like that's kind of what they're there for. They're kind of there to kind of keep the engine going and facilitate a franchise so you know with wingard kind of getting as much as he does into this film um that's his that hasn't been already you know created by design by you know michael doherty and and sort of the 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 writer's room that have been working on these godzilla movies since 2014 um you know is is you know uh, uh, an achievement on itself you know so yeah to, to see those little glimpses of of wingard is is nice and and again, i agree and it's stuff we talk about in franchise filmmaking a lot and we talk about it in marvel and what i appreciate with what you know, warner brothers is letting the people we just got the suicide squad trailer from james gunn and like i mean james gunn i think is one of those people in marvel who who finally kind of kick-started that era of letting filmmakers you know put a little bit of their style and themselves into those movies and and you know, we've come a long way with franchise filmmaking and obviously it's the, it's the thing that, you know, fuels the entertainment industry right now. And it's hard, harder and harder to get those smaller movies because you usually only get one or two of them or the mid range even like, or these from these great filmmakers. Cause then they get scooped up, like you're saying into these franchises and, and you hope to see some of that style that they had and why we took attention to them into these movies. So you do appreciate even silly things like, all right, yeah, they're fighting in China and, and it's soaked in neon or the score by uh, the artist formerly known Notice as Junkie, Junkie XL, XL uh, Tom Holkenborg doing like a synthy score and stuff like that. Or yeah, like you said, some biting humor and, and satire, but like, so like Gunn did that. And then we saw that more in Marvel. We're getting that more in DC now. And then you're seeing other big franchises go, Hey, we hired these filmmakers for a reason. Maybe not. Let's not try to control them as much as we have in the past. And I hope to see less and less, you know, people leaving over creative differences and, and studios going, you know what? Like we hired these people, like let them make the movie. We hired them. Let them fight. Let them fight. Love it. Uh, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I think it was just the thing I needed last night. And, um, so I'm probably being pretty generous, but I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. Yeah. I'm just, I'm going to give it a three. I, I, I had fun with it. Um, I, it's exactly what I expected it to be. It's, it's basically one of those situations where it's like, it does exactly what it says on the box and it, satisfies in that way but again like the one thing that you're going to get a lot of are is human exposition which is the stuff that you kind of got to traipse through yeah exactly uh thank you all for listening um we have another show which i mentioned earlier in the podcast called the untitled movie podcast um which we would love for you guys to go subscribe to and check out it's a little longer we talk about you know everything going on in the entertainment industry trailers news 
all that jazz, what Eric and I have been watching um, other than the stuff that we're reviewing. Um, speaking of reviews, you're already on this channel, but we have a lot of other stuff that you guys can go check out right now. We have reviews for the Mighty du- Mighty Ducks Game Changers, episode one through three, uh, Bad Trip, a new prank movie on Netflix, uh, Nobody, which is the... Um, uh, Bob Odenkirk. Oh God. Bob Odenkirk, um, like action movie. Uh, Invincible, the first three episodes are now streaming on Amazon. I would, uh, they're awesome. You guys should check that out. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode one, Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Tons of reviews for you guys, and we'll have more coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, and as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. And until next time. Let's get Steve Martin in one of these movies.